1: Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast Brought to you by Woody Overton And executive producer Toby Tomplay In conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media
2: Yeah, the right to remain silent Silent, silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a of law During the oh, question, I can't afford one a quarter point one for you. You understand your rights.
0: Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked, but Detective Overtone made you turn to shit. <laughs> whoa,
3: whoa, whoa.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Real life,
2: real crime. Warning: This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast, may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that are of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I did not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or from some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and Welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today we're going to continue with the series, and I couldn't decide whether I was going to name it progression or evolution, so I guess I'm going to call it both, right? So it doesn't matter, but stay tuned to end the show for some real life, real crime announcements. Now, y'all, this is definitely going to be the last part of this series, but It's a good one. It's a humdinger, so listen up. The first thing I want to tell you is when I got done recording part two, you know I'm raw and unscripted, right? But I've been getting these case files, and still mostly I go off of memories unless I have some stuff to read out of the case files. Well, on this case, there was so much and so many victims, et cetera. When I got done recording part two, I realized I left something very important out, a couple things that are very important out because it was bugging me out. I couldn't remember what it was, but actually I couldn't remember how I came into, into uh, getting the arrest warrant for the black female that had been at the King's before it was, you know, all the witnesses seen her there. And, and I was thinking she was going to be this, uh, the one that had been mistaken for the, a black male that that robbed the sweet little lady that was in the car, just driving the car. So I went back and actually looked at the case file. I guess I should have done that ahead of time. But so this is it. Remember when I told you that Vic came back and uh, Vic Marler, the detective, had come back and we got back to the office. This is the day after the lady was robbed in Albany and they put the gun in her mouth and knocked her to the ground and all that. And then late, later on, her purse was found in the car wash. And then another lady, they this guy tried to, Kendrick Mateer tried to ab- abduct her at gunpoint to kidnap her and, and steal her truck. And he actually put the gun in her mouth, and, and she, she was able to kick him and get away, et cetera. Well... That night, I said I didn't know what his name was at the time, right? But that evening, I was like, "Damn, you yeah, know these these dudes or this these two people are evolving. Especially if they're the same ones from the Kings, they're evolving, they're progressing, they're going to kill someone." So I called all uh, Vic and I called all the local surrounding agencies. I remember, I called Hammond City Police Department and said, "Look, just tell your guys if they, you know." To see somebody that fits this description: tall, black male, and in you know about six one, hundred and eighty pounds, whatever. Sh- shorter, black female, especially around the business, or or they get an armed robbery call, or if you have any cases, you know, just we're trying to identify them, right, at that point. And that's when I got woke up in the middle of the night by the uniform officer. From Hammond, who had, they had gotten a nine one one call from the local hotel, stating the owner said, "Hey, I'm about to get robbed. There's these people out here, and I think I'm about to get robbed." Well, they roll up on them and they catch them. And guess what? It actually, this is where I, what I forgot to leave out: the female was there. I, I, I think I said last time that the car had gone or whatever. The, I know that definitely the gray car wasn't there. But when they roll up on them, they're together. It's the black male who lied. They separated them. And, and law enforcement is called a 107P. When you call call it out to the units, hey, there's a 107P at such-and-such such hotel, or two 107Ps at such-and-such such hotel, possible 64G arm robbery about to go down, right? So they roll up on them, no lights and sirens, and they catch them in the parking lot close to the front desk of the hotel, and it's the black male and the black female. They separate them and say, Hey, what are you doing here? They gave conflicting stories. She gave a different name for him than he gave. Well, why? Because he had warrants for his arrest. They were able to pat frisk him, get his ID, find out what his real name was, ran him. Yes, he had warrants. And the officer realized, Hey, you know what? I think this is what what he was talking about. This is what we were warned about. And so they called me, but guess what? I forgot to tell you. They identified the female as Tara Hunter, T-A-R-A Hunter, okay? But they had to let her go. She didn't have any warrants or history or anything else, and I do not know what vehicle she left in, et cetera. I just know that I forgot to tell you all that, and it's, it's important. So when I go that night, to the jail. I interviewed him and I locked him into a statement. He had never been to Livingston Parish in his entire life and all that, right? But what I also locked him into, I t- you know, and during the conversation, I said, Hey, tell me about Tara Hunter. Because remember, they ID'd her on the scene. They got her ID and, and ran her and everything. Well, they gave me that before I went into interview uh, Matier And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. He, this dude was cocky, right? And, 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 you know, thought he was smarter and every everything and I guess I no telling how many robbers they had done in all the different parishes what but, but he was from Centerville, um, Mississippi. And so I asked him, I just slipped it in there as an afterthought. You know, he was talking after he'd been advised his Miranda rights, but he really wasn't saying dick you know, other than to deny everything like haha, prove it, motherfucker. And I'm smarter than you, right? So I lock him into the Livingston Parish. Never been to Livingston Parish my entire life. Blah, 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 whatever. Okay, fuck you. I know you're lying now. Where uh, well, I'm still assuming, y'all. I hadn't done the photo lineups yet. But I said, tell me about Tara Hunter. He said, who? I said, Tara Hunter. And he said, I don't know who you're talking about. He said, I don't know her. And I said, well... You, you know, you were with her at the hotel tonight. And he said, no, no, I wasn't with anybody. That the, I don't know who that chick was. I don't know no Tara Hunter. And I'm like, okay. So that's when I called in and had the photo lineups done of him, Kendrick Mateer, with his information, and a photo lineup done of her, Tara Hunter. And I have all these photo lineups, y'all, and I'll be putting them up for, for Patreon and Convicts on that page. But the ones I read to you about the victims positively identifying Mateer, well, guess what? Once the first victim positively identified Kendrick Mateer out of the photo lineup and wrote what they wrote, I immediately got an arrest warrant for him for armed robbery. Then I had to have Tina type it up, Tina Stafford Pierce, so now type it up, and I had to go get it signed. I think the first one that I was able to show it to for whatever reason was the attempted kidnapping in the truck. She never saw the female. She just saw the car, small gray car, speed away behind her vehicle. The only ones that saw her were all the people around the Keens and the girl that was inside the Keens that got robbed, Keens the dry cleaner, and then the lady, the little sweet lady that got robbed in... And, and they ended up taking her purse, and they lied and said they were from New Orleans, et cetera. But she thought it was a male in the car. So, she, anyway, my goal was to get a, a warrant that was going to stand that I knew was going to stand. I didn't know these other people's warrants on mater but the I needed them to hold him right. So, took it, swore it out before the judge. Boom called it in, entered in, in the NCIC. Now I got a hold on him. right? Now we're able to go around and show the photos to everybody else. What happens was, now remember, there was a shit ton of witnesses at the Keynes robbery, and every single one of them positively identified Tara Hunter from the photographs as well as, as the actual robber, Kendrick Mateer, except for the victim, in the Keens, she said. She said, "Woody, I'm 99.9% sure that that's him, but I I can't be positive because I keep seeing the gun." He, she said. But I'm a thousand percent sure that's her. Then, and she picked Tara Hunter out of the photo lineup that was standing outside the front of the store, looking around while I was being robbed. She said, "I I, I can I can get on the stand and testify to that right. All right." So that that was a little messed up on my part of y'all. I, I just hadn't gone back and read it. And I guess I should have. But I was laying there last night thinking about it. I was like, damn, wow, how, yeah, how did I not? So, but anyway, went back, read it. There you have it. I don't always get it right. I mean, it's been 16, 17 years, but you, now you have it right. So let's pick the story back up. So we'll go in, it takes a, a time, and, and Vic Marlowe went out and, and did um, several of the photo lineups for me. I did a bunch of them. Calvin did some, I think, and, and I mean, it was a lot, right? There's a lot of witnesses to run down, a lot of photo lineups to show. You've got to work the case, but guess what? I know he's locked up. He's not getting out. He's sitting in Hammond, in the Hammond jail Would hold for me to come get him, so he can't get out. Tara Hunter meanwhile i had to go back and get warrants for her her arrest but that would come just a little bit later for principal two armed robberies all right they were picking her out of the photo lineup but i didn't know where she was i didn't have an address in it i mean they got her name and date of birth but they didn't get an address for whatever reason and so this is all fluid motion i know the gun guy the one that keeps progression and evolving and putting the pistol in people's mouths and to their ears and, and, you know, goes from hidden crimes opportunity, like the Kings to now carjacking, trying to kidnap people and shit. Oh yeah. I'm telling you it was a matter of moments before he, he killed someone by, by hook or crook. I mean, it was coming. I mean, I just felt it in my bones, but so we go out and we work all this stuff and, and I'm like finally at the end of the day I'm like should I I'm going to go get this asshole and see if he wants to talk now. Now I had a bunch more warrants made for him now. I had the warrant for the sweet lady in Albany. I had the warrant made for the lady in the truck, the kidnapping and and the warrant made for the ro- arm robbery of Kings based off everybody else's savings, etc., et cetera, that, the, uh, that, you know, saw him in the area, the whole nine yards, even though she couldn't say 100% off the thing, I still had enough probable cause, which is only 50% plus one to get that warrant signed. So now I've got all these warrants. So I get to the office and the other, other people still in the field working, but Le- Detective Larry Tate was there. And I'll tell you about Larry. Larry been on the job like, I don't know, thirty years, man. I think he retired like shortly after this and he was a great big mountain of a man and a big athlete when he was younger and stuff. But um just a real, real good guy. Now Larry, I guess when you reach the end of your career, you know, you don't get excited about much, but I'm gonna tell you the one thing about Larry is if I had said, Hey Larry, you know, you come help me, then he was coming and he was a wealth of knowledge. I mean, but he probably forgot more about crimes than I ever knew. But I'll tell you a funny story. We were sitting in the back office one afternoon, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just Larry and I, and I was at my desk working on something, and Larry had his feet up on his desk, and, you know, let's just say he was relaxing after lunch. Stan Carpenter came in, who was the chief of the text at the time, came in, kicked open the door, and he was in the tip. Now, get your asses up, and you need to go out there and do this. And, and and Larry taking his feet off the desk, and Stan was digging ass, right? This needs to be done, and this needs to be done, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, like, pissed. And 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 he turned around, and he slammed that door, and he went out into the office, and, and Larry looked at me, mean, his desk was right two feet away from him, all right? He looked at me and he said, well, bud, it sounds like they need to hire some more fucking detectives. <laughs> and he he leaned back in his chair and he put his, his feet up on the desk and went back to, to his nap. <laughs> so Larry was at that point in his career, but it, it, I learned a lot from him. He's a super dude. And anybody from the LP that knows, uh, Larry Tate knows what I'm talking about. But... So I said, Larry, I got to go get this dude from Hammond. I said, I know it's late in the evening, will you come with me? He's like, yeah, yeah, bud, I'll come with you, I'll come with you. So we ride out over there and get him and pick him up. And I wasn't, wasn't trying to talk to him. I already had enough out of him. I knew that he knew Tara Hunter. I knew that he had been lying about being in the Livingston Parish. I got all these eyewitnesses. I was going to you know, build this case and let the evidence speak for itself. Well, check this shit out we get to the jail i shit you not now when we get to the jail you have to bring around the back side through what they call a sally port There's a back gate and they have to wait you have to wait for it to be open from the inside you drive in and the gate closes behind you and you drive around to the side and there's a back door with what i call a sally port and in you get you get your bad guy or girl out and you go into the salad porch, you have to buzz through the first door, you enter that hallway, and if you have a weapon on you secure it in a locker, uh, you shake your guy down, or bad guy or girl down again, and, and that, now you're in this glass booth, and directly across from you is the control room for, for the jail, the, the old jail, y'all. I don't know what, I'm not talking about the new one. They, and they're looking at you, and when you get ready, you give them a signal, and they buzz you in. When they buzz you in, Then you have to walk down around a corner and take them into the booking room. Well, guess what? When you do that, there's a window, and they can see in the lobby. And I shit you not.
0: It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation.
2: No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process? You pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent.
3: Rosetta Stone? Sayonara. Sayonara. Shout out to AstroPro for sponsoring this
2: episode and providing us with free samples.
3: My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you?
2: <laughs> I love that. You sound, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro.
3: I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine.
2: Yeah, well, have you tried AstroPro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? AstroPro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. really kicked up with it, right? I use AstroPro every time my nasal allergies flare up and I'm always amazed at how fast
3: I'm back in the game, down on those rows,
2: playing my stuff.
3: Get fast
2: Fucking Tara Hunter was sitting in the, in the visitation area of the lobby, and Mateer looked over, and he and he saw her. Tara Hunter, the female that has now been positively identified, is sitting in the like a waiting area where the, when you come to bond somebody out and shit like that or check on the bond. There's a window or whatever, and it shit was as much a shock to me as it was to him, and he saw her. And and he said, oh, and and I keep walking it down. I'm like, is that fucking really her? I mean, all I had was the, the photo lineups, right? But it, it looks just just like her. He says, and I'm not racist, y'all. I'm telling you what he said. He said something to the fact of. He said, let's detective over, detective over. He said, I told you, I, I don't, I know, uh Tara Hunter, but I was lying. He said, he's he said he said that's one badass nigga and she, she'd be robbing motherfuckers all the time. He said, she's a bad nigga. She'd be robbing motherfuckers all the time. He said, I I, I know her, but I don't know her like that. So you better, be, well, you know, she, she she's a robber. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, you just go ahead and hang yourself, swim out into that water, right? And I'm paraphrasing, but he's definitely said the N-word several times. But now, I mean, I didn't know what the fuck she was doing up there. Evidently, she came up to see what you know her partner in crime's bond was and could, or what the charges were, whatever was shit. I hadn't even got to book him in yet. So end up arresting Tara Hunter also over two counts of principal to armed robbery. Again, why? Every, because everybody at the Keynes, including the the victim from the Keynes and all the other witnesses, put her there. You know, going in, looking in the windows, and and the victim puts her standing outside. And principal two, y'all, that's Louisiana Revised Statute fourteen twenty seven, which just uh, you might as well have done the fucking arm robbery yourself, right? I mean, it, it's it's bad. And then the the sweet lady from Albany, and when she was shown the the photo lineup. Of the female, Vic Marlow did that one. She said, "No, no, no, no." And I'm, I'll read that one. Yeah, I have it here in front of me. She said, "No, that's." She said, "That's definitely that's definitely who was driving the car." She said, "I thought it was uh, a dude, a guy." Okay, this is this is Tara Hunter's photo lineup from that lady. She said on uh, March the twenty two thousand six, the day of the robbery. This lady, which I thought was a man with pulled-back hair, was the driver of the getaway car. She was positively identified by myself, and she gives her name, the date, and the time. So arrest her, to book material. And I charge material with everything in the world, from uh, the armed robbery of the Keens, armed robbery. And, and Oh, the lady from Albany also had injuries from where he knocked her to the ground. And and I know uh, Vic Marlowe photographed those. The bruising. I mean, she was an elderly lady, charged with the armed robbery and everything from her and I think maybe the injuring of her or whatever. And then the attempted, aggravated kidnapping of the victim in Denham Springs and the carjacking and armed robbery of the victim in Denham Springs as well as, uh, like I said, the armed robbery of the Keens. Well, guess what? You're looking at a whole lot of lifetimes there, y'all. Life, life, life. I mean, they're not going to call it life, but they can give you 99, 99, plus 99, plus whatever else, right? So what happened was, I mean, they, they fought it. I mean, this it, it took a while. I was actually with the state police by the time this went to trial. But I had to come back as a witness in the trial. I had to come back on several motions to suppress and different stuff like that. And you're going to hear some papers rattling y'all you know, while I'm I'm going through this. We didn't lose any of it. They won every you know, motion to suppress. Now he hired a lawyer. I think his lawyer's name was Miller or something like that. And she had her own lawyer, right? They were tried together, I think because of the amount of witnesses and photo lineups and all that stuff. But, let me read you my report and, and on the my report, y'all, that the I wouldn't include everything sometimes just because you can you can put too much in a report. Anything you write down can be used against you, right? So on, on a report I like to keep it simple, kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid, and and to direct and to the point. So I'm gonna read over this. I'm gonna read it out loud to you. This is my actual I wrote this myself back in two thousand six. So and I'm gonna leave the names out. So March tenth, two thousand six at approximately fourteen hundred hours, Detective Woodrow Overton, in the parentheses, henceforth, I responded to the Keynes Dry Cleaner Store, which is located on Magnolia Beach Road in Louisiana Highway 16 in the Broadway Shopping Center on a report of an armed robbery. Upon my arrival I met with blank white female, blank blank address, et cetera, phone number, who stated that a tall, skinny black male had entered the store and asked to use the restroom. Blank stated that she observed a heavy-set, short black female with unkempt hair waiting outside the door to the store. Blank stated that the black male was wearing a black hooded sweatshirt with a type of skull cap on his head and blue jeans. The female was wearing a green and white striped shirt and green pants. Blank stated that she, that she became afraid that something was not right when she observed the black male come back around the counter and point a revolver in her face and demand money blank stated the suspect kept repeating give me the money now blank gave the suspect seventy dollars from the register and then he forced her to the back of the store at gunpoint and demanded more money blank gave suspect approximately seventy five dollars more and suspect then told her to stay there until he left put the pistol in his jacket and then ran from the store Detectives Vic Marler, Calvin Bowden, Larry Tate, Brian Smith, and I began to interview witnesses in the shopping center where the Keynes was located. Livingston Parish Sheriff's Deputy set up a perimeter in an attempt to locate the suspects, but were unsuccessful. The detectives spoke to numerous witnesses in the Broadway Shopping Center who had seen the suspects walking through the area and gave descriptions of both. Blank white male blah, 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 address, et cetera, said that he was parked parking at Keen's when he observed a tall, skinny black male with a black jacket, baggy blue jeans, and a black skull cap running from the store along with a black female with a bright-colored shirt. Blank stated that the male was approximately 6'2", 185 pounds, and the female was approximately 5 feet and 145 pounds. Blank went into the King's and upon entering the victim stated she had been robbed. Blank attempted to chase the suspects but was unable to locate them. Detective Calvin Bowden spoke with Blank and gives this lady's information, who was at Advantage Homes and Properties business, business located in the Broadway Shopping Center at such such. Blank advised that the black male had come to her business shortly before the Keynes was robbed. Blank stated that the male asked to use the business restroom and that he went into the restroom and after a few seconds, exited and left the business. Blank stated that she went to the Broadway Shopping Center to check on a female tenant when she observed the black male and female looking into the windows of the shopping center. The black male then entered the the cleaners and Blank then called Blank at Advantage Home and Properties and gives his information and told him to call the police because she was uncomfortable with the way the male and female were acting. Immediately after hanging up the telephone, Blank saw the black male run from Keens in a northerly direction. She went to the Keens and found the victim very upset, and the victim told her that she had just been robbed at gunpoint. Detectives were able to obtain security camera video from cameras at the Key Point Federal Credit Union, which is located in the Broadway Shopping Center. The camera showed the male and female walking behind the credit union and then in front of the credit union before the Kings was robbed. On 3 2006 I showed a composite photographic lineups to blank, who positively identified number two in the lineup as being the black female who waited outside the door while she was armed robbed. Number two is identified as Tara Hunter, black female, ten eleven in nineteen eighty three, six hundred four Phoenix Square, Hammond, Louisiana. Victim said that she thought that number five, Kendrick McTeer, was the man who robbed her, because but that she wasn't positive because she kept remembering the pistol in her face. On three thirty one two thousand six, I showed a composite photographic lineups to blank who positively identified Kendrick McTeer, number five, and Tara Hunter, number two, as being involved in the robbery of the Kings. Blank stated that she saw both suspects while in Advantage home properties and then saw them again while parked in front of her business, Styles, which is located in the Broadway Shopping Center. On three thirty one 2006 I showed a composite photograph lineups to Blank, a white male who... Positively identified Kendrick Matera, number five, as the person who had come into Advantage home and properties to use the restroom. Blank stated that when Matera left with the black female, they thought the two were suspicious and watched as they immediately went to the Broadway Place shopping center. Blank further stated that the other female gal drove over to the shopping center and called him and said that the heavyset black lady was still in the parking lot and then said the black male was running out of the King's Cleaner. Blank stated that he didn't, then called 911. On 4-6-2006, Blank was shown a composite photographic lineup, and she positively identified number five as being the male who she saw in her business and running from King's. Number five is Kendrick Dimitri Mateer, black male, 422, 1988 whatever on three twenty nine, 2006 at approximately 1400 hours, Livingston Parish Sheriff's office was called by a blank white female um, from Albany who reported that she had been armed robbed by a black man who stole her purse blank reported that she pulled into her driveway and that a gray newer model car pulled up behind her blank, Stated that a tall, skinny black male wearing a white T-shirt and blue jeans got out of the passenger side of the vehicle, walked up to her and stated they were from the ninth Ward in New Orleans and were lost. Blank said she observed another person that she thought was a male driving the car. Blank stated that the male then pulled a small revolver, pointed it in her face, and then stuck it in her mouth. Blank stated that the male then cocked the pistol and put it into her ear and shoved her to the ground and grabbed her purse and ran to the car. Blank stated that the two then drove away in the car towards the interstate. On 3-30-2006, Detective Victor Marlar and I showed Blank a composite photo lineups. Blank positively identified Kendrick McTeer number 5 as the person who put the pistol in her mouth and robbed her. Blank also positively identified Tara Hunter as the driver of the getaway car. Blank stated at the time of the robbery, she thought Hunter was a man because she had her hair pulled back, but there was no doubt in her mind that Hunter was the driver of the vehicle. Blank had numerous bruises to her body from being knocked to the ground, which Detective Marla photographed. At 4.49 p.m., Dental Springs Police Officer Matthew Martello was patrolling for an armed robbery suspect when he was stopped by Blank, who stated that he worked at the Ranger Car Wash in Denham Springs and that he had found a purse in a garbage can near the rear of the business. The purse belonged to the victim from Albany Isle. I made additional warrants for Kendrick McTeer for the armed robberies of the King's Dry Cleaner and the victim from Albany. Detective Larry Tate and I transported Matier from Hammond City Jail and booked him into the Livingston Parish Jail. Before transport Matier, I again advised him of his Miranda warnings. When we entered the Livingston Parish Jail, Matier saw Hunter sitting in the visitation room. Matier then told me he needed to talk to me. I said, Go ahead. Matier stated that he did know Hunter. But he didn't rob anyone. Mateer further stated that he knew Hunter would rob people and that she hung out with a bunch of badass niggers. On 3-10-2006, Detective Calvin Bowden lifted fingerprints from the King's Dry Cleaner store front door. He also obtained a pack of cigarettes that Tara Hunter had possibly handled. Both items were sent to the Louisiana State Police Crime Lab for processing. In the report. All right, y'all, so... Everything may not be exactly like I I told you, but that's my actual report. But I don't put every single detail that the victims say in or every single witness, uh, full statement, et cetera. Obviously, there's more to that's not in that stack, but uh, about the the victim with the Ford truck and the kidnapping and all that. So, long story short, going to trial, they're not pleading them down. Okay. Go to trial, and and I'll never forget it. We were sequestered after, meaning we, we had to be separated, and uh, nobody could talk to the jury, and the witnesses had to be separated after the opening arguments. So Greg Murphy was the assistant district attorney prosecutor and y'all love the guy. I mean, I, we never lost the case. He, he's fire, right, and it, it, he's a pistol. Greg gets up and gives his opening and, you know, lays out the case, and pretty much has, as I have to y'all. Mateer and Hunter had separate lawyers, and what I re- distinctly remember is Matthias lawyer refuses to give an open statement. <laughs> He's like, fuck it, and I'm not doing it. And and, and Tara's, Hunter's lawyer gave whatever statement saying that, that she didn't do it and it's bad police work and she wasn't there, blah, 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 whatever. So we're sequestered. Trial goes on. Greg puts on his case and put Calvin on about the uh, bank video or whatever, puts me on about all the photo lineups and how I came to develop um, Matera and Hunter as suspects and the whole nine yards, and And trial goes on, right? Then all the – okay, he put me on after he put on all the eyewitnesses. So he built a hell of a case and went through everything, right? Then puts me on, I do mine – the prosecution rests. The defense gets up. Shit, you not Matiers' lawyer puts Matiers. Uh, I think it was his father. The it, after I'm done testifying, I could come back in and watch. you I'm no longer sequestered. Okay, so yeah, go back and watch. I think it was a father. Here's the deal. I it definitely was a material. I think it was his dad, and he said he lived with him, whatever. If I can remember correctly, but this guy's a pastor. Okay, gets on the stand, gets sworn in, swears he's a he. You know, this is what he does. He's a pastor. Da 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 da. And guess what? But here's lawyer ask him, says, well, "Tell us about you know such such date." And he said, "Oh, my son was home with me all day long in Centerville, Mississippi." Okay. You, you know that for sure yesterday absolutely yeah absolutely for sure yes Yeah, okay. Turns him over to, to Greg. Greg gets up and he's like, "Uh, you sure about that? He's like, yeah, I'm sure he was there. I'm sure he was there. He said, he said yeah, let me ask you a question. He said, when were you asked to testify in this trial? And the guy got flustered. And he was like, what are you, t- what are you talking about? He said, when were you asked to testify in this trial? And, and he said, well, he had to admit, y'all, that he had just been asked like the week before trial to testify. Now, this shit had gone on, this is like four years later or something that's the trial. I mean, I've been in state police for like three years. It had been a long time. And you're going to tell me that all of a sudden you can remember you've never been asked to testify, never given your testimony or whatever. So what, I'm going to tell you what happened. They went through all of these motions and shit, and they thought they were going to get a plea bargain or something, right? And Greg was like, fuck you. I'm, we're not giving you a plea bargain because we got your ass, right? And, and you need to go to jail because you were progressing, you were evolving, you were going to kill somebody. If you get out, you can do the same shit again. So at the last second, he comes up with these witnesses. Now, guess what? Comes up with another witness. There's a lady, and I'm not going to say her name, who owns a— we'll call it a luncheon place uh, up there in Centerville, right? And she takes a stand and she swears that on these dates in question that that, uh, Kendrick McTeer could not have been in Livingston Parish doing these robberies Now these separate dates, right? Because she remembers distinctly that he came in and bought lunch around 1 o'clock at her establishment. Get the fuck out of here, right? So Greg waits and lets her testify. And and so she testifies absolutely on these two dates four years ago, however long ago. I mean, y'all have been years and years that he just, you know, he came into my establishment and ordered his lunch. So he couldn't have been in Livingston Parish at the time that y'all were Sam because I'm I'm telling you he wasn't there. Greg gets back up, and he's like, um, basically the same question. When were you asked to testify in this case? And she said, um, like, a couple weeks ago. And y'all, that's after they realize Mateer was fucked. And, and, I mean, his goose was cooked, and he wasn't going to get a plea bargain, right? Then here's the real kicker. Very few times I've ever ever seen this. Kendrick Mateer, the suspect, the guy that's under all my charges, got sworn in, and he took the stand. And the judge told him, said, you know you have a a right to not self-incriminate yourself, and and you don't have to testify. He said, yeah, this idiot got up there and said, He had never been to Livingston Parish. He had, uh, if I remember correctly, he had never been to Livingston Parish. He didn't know Hunter, and he was in Centerville, and basically that was the story, and he was sticking to it. And I don't even remember what Greg asked him, if anything. I, I think... I think he didn't ask him much of anything because all the eyewitnesses now these are all business owners and good people and a sweet little old lady and all these people positively said, "Hey motherfucker, you put a gun in my mouth, you and cocked it, you put a gun in my ear, you you know did this, da da da." And then and all the witnesses who who weren't the victims, right? And but they you know. When I was on the stand, they tried to challenge me and and saying that I just focused in on my tear and blah 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 blah. Of course, it, I mean it just wasn't believable. I took, you know, hey, we're sitting in front of a jury of twelve regular people who, and, and, and when the sweet lady got up on the stand, they're thinking, hell, that could be my mom or my grandmother, right? The other victims get on the stand, they're thinking that could be my kid, that could be my my aunt, they, you know, whatever they. they You talk about the progression and the evolution of these crimes from him doing the keens to putting a gun in the mouth and cocking and putting a gun in the ear and trying to kidnap somebody, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it didn't take long, y'all. They they did closing arguments and everything else. I think the jury went out at like, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They came back at 5 o'clock. The judge dismissed them for the night. They were sequestered came back, and, and the next day they come back guilty. On Kendrick Mateer, guilty of the armed robbery of the Keens, even though the victim said, and she testified to it, she said, I'm 99% sure it was him, but it, it, that lady was definitely the one standing out front. Uh, but she had all the other witnesses, right? And and that put him in the area, and he went into other businesses. She had They showed the... Uh, videotape from the bank, which wasn't the best in the world, but I mean, showed them walking together. The jury comes back on the, the first charge, armed robbery, Keens guilty, Kendrick McTaylor, second charge, the armed robbery and whatever else, one, the lady in Albany who's, yeah, she testified, y'all, and she was, she's a pistol. I'm telling you, she was elder Lynn, I hope she's still alive. As a matter of fact, I talked to a lifer last year, the year before, who said that was her people, right, and and that she was still alive. So, but she got out there and and she, right, she testified, she did a hell of a job, and guilty, okay. The lady, the the attempted aggravated kidnapping, the armed robbery of the lady in the Ford truck, guilty. All right, and and. Tara Hunter was up for two counts of principal two. She, she was found guilty on the principal two. The lady from Albany, she, that, and that she was a driver, and she was like, you know, saying, "Come on, just grab the purse." Da 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 da. She was found guilty on on that one, and she was. They found her not guilty on the principal two. The Kings, which is fine, It doesn't matter. I came back for the sentence and date for material. I don't know what they gave Hunter because. I didn't really care enough to come back for that one. But I came back on Mateer. tear. this is a young kid, right? And but I'm telling you, he was gonna kill somebody. He was evolving, he was progressing, he was gonna he was gonna murder someone. It was just a matter of time. And I don't think the surrounding jurisdictions even looked at their cases to see what was open. You know, what once this bad guy's off the street and they knew he wasn't getting out, the I mean they still still got other cases to work, right? But I promise you, they, they robbed more people in that 19 days. But I come back for the sentencing on, on Mateer, and stood him up, and the judge went aboard his ass and said, you know what, you shouldn't have. Yeah, I think maybe they had offered him uh, some kind of plea or whatever, or maybe like 40 years or something way back, and he turned it down and, and before the trial. And that's when he comes up with his witnesses after the fact and all that. But the judge gave him like an eighty, I think 85, 90 years, something like that. The and then something else on top of that, and and his people were in the courtroom, and then they were, you know, crying, and screaming, and mad. Well, guess what? I mean, yeah, it sucks that your family member is going away for the rest of his natural born life. Uh, he's going to die in Angola, but he's not getting a needle because he's going to kill somebody. And I, my heart goes out to suspects' families, right, they, or back now convicted people, uh, felons' families. That sucks for them. But he did it. He did it. He changed these people's lives forever, and he absolutely was going to evolve. I believe in my heart of hearts that had I not stopped him and, and developed him as a suspect and, and built that case, that he would have killed somebody. Garing freaking T. Now I'm going to close it with this. I was working as a criminal investigator with the state police, and I was driving out of headquarters in Baton Rouge. And I haven't even gotten my state police stage yet, y'all. So you know, there's plenty more stories to come. But I was driving back. I was living in Clinton at the time, and I was driving back, and I stopped at this little gas station to get gas. And it's been like, hell, I think it was like the week after the trial or something. It, it, it was it was really really recent. I uh, mean, it might have been within days. But I never stopped at this store. And I stopped, and I, um, we had fuel man cards, right? You had to go in the store and enter your stuff to you know, get your gas. So I stopped and went in to do it, and the, and the little girl behind the uh, counter saw my badge and my gun. And at state police, it was different. I didn't have to wear a coat and tie every day. I wore, like, um, BDU pants, like tan pants, and a state police shirt with a badge on it. But I, you know, I had my duty weapon on uh, and my badge on my belt. And she said, you work at state police? I said, yep. And, and she said, You know anybody? Oh, you know a detective who used to work in Livingston and works at state police? And I'm thinking, Well, oh, shit, that's me. I said, I said, Yeah, yeah. Well, Why? And she said, yeah, Woody Overton. I said, I said Yeah. I, I said, I know him. And she said, He framed my uh, friend. I said, What are you talking about? She said, He framed Kendrick McTeer and they sending that boy away for the rest of his life for something he didn't do. That boy had never even been. To so New Livingston Parish and 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 didn't even know that girl and da 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 and I was like, man, I said, you know what, that really sucks. <laughs> I turned around and I left again I my shit, but that's not the end. Like within another week, I said, my my cell phone rang and I answered it and it was a, obviously it was a black male on the phone and he said, Woody Overton. I said, I said. I always answer investigator over some, and I said, Yeah. And he said, We're going to kill you. I said, Is that, Yeah. Okay. And, and who are you? And what's your name? I mean, y'all, if you wouldn't believe the threats I get, and, and still to this day do. But um, he said, We're going to kill you for framing Kendrick Mater. I'm like, well, you know what? I didn't frame him. And if you won't come kill me, I'm not hard to find. I'll be at State Police headquarters every day, but you better bring a fucking arsenal because you're gonna spring a leak, bitch. And then don't let me see you before you see me, because I'm gonna fucking kill you. Right. And I I had to call Greg Murphy and I just and I made it a little instant report on it it was a block number obviously and I didn't I didn't want to go through all the trouble of of trying to track down whether it's the cell phone they still have pay phones some pay phones back then or whatever I knew, it, you you yeah. know first I didn't I didn't wasn't worried about it, right? It's, I don't ever worry about the motherfucker that say they're going to do this or that put it on Facebook or send me all these messages every day. Oh, we're going to kill you and you're so and so and you everything and you bejesus. Oh, well, fuck you. Yeah, I'm easy to find. You better be a quicker draw than me, motherfucker, because I will kill you, okay? So the, the I don't worry about those, the, the ones who mouth off and say they're bullshit. It's the ones who are silent that you got to worry about. It's the ones that never say a word. Because if I was coming for you, I damn sure not going to give you a warning about it. But anyway, that's the end of the series. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Just an old case of mine in um, evolution or progression, whatever. But I appreciate and love each and every one of y'all. Thank you so much for you know, listening, please, wherever you listen to your podcast, take a second and hit subscribe. And if you have to log in to listen to podcasts, but real life, real crime, there's a subscribe button. Whether you listen on iHeartRadio or Apple or wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, I'm, I'm everywhere in the world, people. On every platform you can get your podcast, I'm there. Real life, real crime is there. Take a second, hit subscribe. That way, when these episodes drop, they'll automatically download for you. You'll get a notification and you can listen to them whenever you get ready. All right. In Real Life, Real Crime Community app in the App Store, y'all, it's free. It's called a community for a reason. All my pages, it's like we built this thing, this company built it for us. Uh, all my social media but not my actual social media, right? We still have the crew page and I still have Instagram and all that, but it's like has all those things inside the app and it's free. You can go in there, all the forums the chats, the, the different rooms. We still have like the app page where you can go in if it's not true crime related and list anything that you, you know, your hobbies or sales or videos or whatever the hell you want to do, uh, things that you sell or whatever. We have a book em club lifers that they've started this true crime book club that they all read it and they get it in these this forum from all over the world and they discuss it. We have the real life real crime store. We have the daily news feed. We have daily true crime facts. We have you can earn coins and then you know, the more you interact inside the app, the more coins you get for whatever, right? It's everything real life real crime. And I go there every morning before I go anywhere else on social media. So check it out, Real Life Real Crime Community App in the App Store. You're going to love it. It's uncensored people. Fuck Facebook. They censor me almost every day, not not just for things that I say, but for things that other people post. And um, eventually I'm going to get away from them, um, not for any other reason than I – mean, I'm not Yeah, – I'll always be thankful for them. I know that's how we built this and it, we spread word of mouth, et cetera. I, I'm thankful for that. But I do not appreciate being censored. I don't like the way the, the direction that stuff's going. But the Real Life Real Crime Community app is for lifers. It's if if you love Real Life Real Crime, you're gonna love it. Go download it for free. And if you want to upgrade, like Patreon members, if you want to swap over the the subscriptions in the app or call Convicts and there's different levels. Patreon members, if you want to swap over and you haven't done it already, it. it because it's a hassle or, or you can't get it to work, whatever, just email Cindy it's C-Y-N-D-I at realliferealcrime.com and she will hook you up. And that's it, y'all. If you are a lifer from Wichita in you want to become an organ donor, you can go to Lopa.org. That's the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. But it's Lopa.org, nonprofit. Take about two minutes and fill out your organ donor information. You don't have to be from Louisiana. Certainly, if you're from Louisiana, go there, um, give the gift of life, cite, be a hero, be an organ donor. And... I'm Woody Overton your host of real life real crime the podcast and until next time or ever don't let me catch you down on murder by
3: peace oh, oh, oh. get
0: ready you're gonna do time.
1: Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media.